The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Good morning and welcome in today's show. I just want to hug my children, to kiss them, to protect them, to promise them that it will never happen again. A delay of 24 hours to the truce and the hostage release. The Israeli ambassador to Ireland will be joining us. The verdict was unanimous and unexpected. South Africa's Supreme Court calling Pistorius's original jail sentence inappropriate and raising it. The respondent sentenced to imprisonment for a period of 13 years and five months. Oscar Pistorius seeks early release, having now served more than half his jail sentence. The triple lock explained why it was put there and why it is to be removed. It would be a vindication of our sovereignty saying that we actually aren't going to allow Russia or China or America or Britain or France decide where or where we can send our troops. A problem of success approaching 32 million passengers through Dublin Airport this year. The life and times of Pat Spillane. This game left to sour taste in my mouth and it's not a case of sour grapes because the better team won today. But I'll tell you, to describe today's football, I don't know what I'd describe it, I'd call it puke football. Joe Lynham looks at the business of online dating and in Skin Deep, how to protect your skin from the ravages of winter weather. Not only is your skin your largest organ, but I vote it is your most important organ because without your skin being intact, you will completely deflate get dehydrated and fizzle out. Will Formula One fizzle out after a really non-competitive season of Red Bull dominance? Henry McKean tries the latest fad, a swim, followed by a stint in a mobile sauna. If you take a recent work on landmines, two years ago, a global ban on landmines was considered impossible. Now almost 100 countries have agreed to sign a treaty outlawing them. When Diana talks, the world listens. Yes. In our series box, John Fardy looks at season six of The Crown and the cash machine contains €31,375.36. Text us on 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. WhatsApp free on 0871400106. Email patkenny at newstalk.com. You can tweet us at patkennymd. But first, a senior Israeli official has said hostages being held in Gaza won't be freed before Friday. This means that for the time being, the ground invasion in the region continues. This morning also saw the arrival of the UK Foreign Secretary, Lord David Cameron, to Israel. He's expected to meet both Israeli and Palestinian leaders to talk about that truce agreement. For more on this, we're joined by Paul Rogers, author and emeritus professor of peace studies at Bradford University. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Do we get uh, a clear message as to what the delay is and who might be behind that delay? No, we don't. Uh, As far as one can tell, you're getting different messages from different sides. It may purely be at a kind of uh, basically bureaucratic level, but you can't really say at the moment. Uh, I think each side has a motive for getting some sort of short-term hostage deal but each side has a motive for continuing the war. And I'm saying, you know, this side, that side. Of course, it is still a very much an asymmetric conflict because Israel essentially has um, the sort of overwhelming force. But uh, Hamas is prepared for it uh, and is digging in for the long term. It wants to survive as long as possible. As far as Hamas is concerned, it now has the world's attention on Gaza in a way that it didn't have. Israel is tending to lose support internationally. And so Hamas, in a way, in spite of all the suffering and all the deaths, uh, sees this as to some extent a success for itself. Uh, As far as Netanyahu is concerned, it's absolutely essential that he continues. Although what the 
end is in Gaza is extremely difficult to say because obviously the northern part of the territory has been more or less wrecked. Most of the infrastructure has gone and a lot is happening in the south. And you have over a million people completely dislocated from their homes, uh, living either in overcrowded um, flats or indeed in tents in the south with winter coming on. Uh, so a long answer, I know, but the point is we don't really know what this means. I suspect that the hostages will start to be released sometime in the next three or four days, but don't assume this is going to be from tomorrow. Mm. Now, you mentioned that the delay might suit either or both parties. Um, First of all, what might be in it for Hamas? Because they are under massive pressure, under constant bombardment by the uh, Israelis, and so many buildings raised to the ground. Don't know what impact that has on whatever tunnels there are below, but what possible advantage uh, could it be to Hamas for this to continue another well, 24 hours? Well, so, so far, I mean, they've succeeded in maintaining all but having two of the hostages in their custody. And in spite of the huge uh, Israeli aerial bombardment uh, and sort of destruction of quite large areas, including deep bombing of some sites, uh, essentially Hamas is still operating. It's still even letting off rockets more or less every day. And it's clear that there's a far bigger network of interconnected tunnels, probably right across the entire territory and through into Egypt and probably still some into Israel. So don't be surprised if there's a sudden uh, attack within Israel. But Hamas has had huge losses on its own side. Some reports suggest about a third of its active battalions are more or less non-functional. And certainly there'd be much loss of life. And of course, the the Gazans as a whole have had an appalling time with what something like 40,000 people killed or injured about 15,000 killed and at least 25,000 probably more injured. And that's a huge number compared with the whole size of what, just 2 million. So Hamas is still there. And I mean, a, a part of this, if you go back to why they were doing this, one is they had the opportunity because the Israelis really just weren't ready and weren't expecting this. Second, it shows that they are there and that the world has to take notice. And third, I think the most difficult one to comprehend is that in the long term, 10, 15, 20 years, they are producing another large generation of very angry young Palestinians who will be essentially uh, converts to the cause in of Hamas or whatever replaces Hamas. Uh, an element of Hamas sees this as a long-term, almost intergenerational thing, and I don't think we've taken that on board. Now, you mentioned that you couldn't rule out an, another attack on Israeli territory by Hamas, um, people maybe who are in deep cover, either on the West Bank who are making their way to Israel or people who are in Israel anyway, but they have been, after the initial atrocity of October the 7th, they have been winning the international propaganda war. And to visit another atrocity upon the Israelis, OK, it might give the message, we can do this, but it would be damaging to the higher ground that they have achieved, the moral higher ground. Oh, yes. I mean, if they did something, it would be purely symbolic. I'd be talking about maybe um, you know, twenty. 10 or 20 uh, determined paramilitaries, all of whom are prepared to die, uh, basically causing havoc for a short time within Israel. They did it before, uh, at the time of the 2014 war, right in the middle of the war, when the Israelis were engaged in a ground war and taking some losses. Um, Hamas actually got, I think, half a dozen people into Israel and killed some Israelis. In fact, they killed two or three army officers who were on a training mission. So they can do that, but it was small scale. And just to show they were still there, 
but that is certainly possible. Uh, but beyond that, yes, one could call it a propaganda war, but it's certainly true that the sheer level of the destruction, you know, raising of much of northern Gaza is having an effect internationally. And I suppose Netanyahu, in a way, is in a race to make as much progress as he can from his point of view before international opinion becomes so strong that they simply have to acquiesce and accept a longer-term ceasefire. They have told us that uh, in the last 24 hours they have hit 300 Hamas targets, and presumably they can do that for another day, another 300. But is there, is it known and can it be known whether or not they are close to a, a particularly critical target and one more day just might do it? I think this is one of the problems for the Israelis in that they, at least we were led to believe and they seem to believe themselves that there's a huge military complex under that hospital. Uh, but it's, they've not been able to find it. There's one tunnel which, uh, and the entrance to it is right on the periphery of the hospital, which covers a number of acres. So that seems to be sort of not mi- uh, missing. And one doesn't sense that, in fact, the Israelis are on the point of making a big progress within northern Gaza. Uh, as far as the south is concerned, well, there's more bombing going on there. But, of course, you have huge numbers of people there. One other thing I understand, I don't think this has been confirmed, but if this truce got, does go ahead for four or five days, the Israelis are guaranteed they will not do any bombing in southern Gaza, but they reserve the right to do bombing and other strikes for up to six hours a day in northern Gaza. So even the air war doesn't end fully, uh, and Hamas apparently may be prepared for that. It's something to factor in, I think, when you're trying to work out who is doing what and why they're doing it now. Now, you mentioned before that this uh, war, and particularly the Israeli bombardment of Gaza, the destruction of of much of northern Gaza, uh, acts as a recruiting sergeant for the next generation of uh, Hamas militants. Um, But there are some reports of uh, ordinary Palestinians uh, turning on Hamas, uh, for example, uh, shouting at them, arguing with them when they tried to skip queues for food or water, whatever it might be. Uh, Is it a possibility that a greater number of people in Gaza will say, "Okay, the Israelis did this to us, but you guys brought it down on our heads? That's certainly possible. One has to remember that you can roughly divide Hamas into the administrative wing, which would be running Gaza, and the military wing, which is certainly dominant in terms of policy at present. And uh, the civilian wing was already becoming unpopular because of incompetence. Incompetence in very difficult circumstances because Gaza is so heavily controlled from outside, but still incompetent. So it was not hugely popular compared with, say, well, when they won the election back in, was it, 2006. So I think there probably is an increased anger, but I suspect, and from what one can say, much more of the anger is still directed against the Israelis. And don't forget, in parallel with all of this, you have what is happening on the West Bank, where the situation for Palestinians throughout the West Bank is getting more and more problematic, not least because of the activity of the more extreme elements within the Israeli Jewish, uh, uh, basically, settler community within the West Bank. And that is also, I hate to use the term, it's kind of brewing up for potential more problems there. Uh, David Cameron's uh, visit to the region uh, is heading to a kibbutz or has already arrived there, uh, given that there are several hours ahead of us. Um, What is the point of that? Uh, Obviously, he can inform himself through diplomatic channels of everything that's going on. Is this uh, a demonstration symbolically of support for Israel? 
I think it is to some extent. Cameron obviously wants to remark his um, sort of mark on the world stage because of the politics within Britain. Uh, but there is more to it than that. And I mean, it is what you would expect. I, I believe he's already been to Ukraine or is planning to go to Ukraine again. Uh, and this is what basically an incoming foreign secretary would do, particularly in the extraordinary political uh, environment that we have in Britain as, uh, uh, at the same time. Because as far as Israel is concerned, uh, it's in a very good position as far as Britain is there because you have support from the government and pretty well complete support from the opposition as well. Uh, although that is not, I think, representing the view of the population as a whole. Because the, the level of the demonstrations you're getting in Britain is really quite astonishing. You know, you get the mention of up to half a million or even more people gathering in London. But it's right across the country. You know, a friend was telling me who's been following this that you've been having demonstrations of 20,000 people um, almost every week in Manchester. And the same is true in Leeds, in Edinburgh, Cardiff, Bristol and the rest. Uh, so there's a lot of support for uh, not for Hamas, certainly, uh, a lot of support for the Palestinians, uh, which is not represented in the overall political scene in Britain. And as, of course, as far as Cameron is concerned, it improves his position uh, in relation to what he will get from the Israelis. It'll be interesting to see whether he meets any of the Palestinians, not in Gaza, obviously, but the official Palestinian government in Ramallah. I'm not aware that he's going to do that, but he may well. Paul Rogers, uh, Emeritus Professor of Peace Studies at Bradford University, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.